What would you do if you got scammed? Would you suffer in silence or would you do something about it? Well, I got scammed once and this is the story of what I did. I'm Justin Sales, the host of The Wedding Scammer, a true crime podcast from The Ringer. And for seven episodes, we're hunting a con man, a guy with a lot of aliases, a guy who's ruined a lot of weddings. And with the help of some friends, I just might be able to catch him. Listen to The Wedding Scammer starting October 17th. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. All right, at least I don't do crystal meth in the bathroom all night long. That's my opinion! He will never emotionally fulfill you. Because I don't want to be a part of it. Go to sleep! Go to sleep! Close your legs to married men, trash box. I'll tell you how I'm doing. Not well, bitch. Who gonna check me, boo? Welcome to Marley Corrupt, a show here on the Ring of Reality feed. I'm Rachel Lindsay. She's Jody Walker, bringing us a new type of energy this morning, I feel like, because you are in Charleston, one of the cities we're going to be covering today. How does it feel? Any sightings? You know, no sightings. I I have I have been thinking about it, which is honestly so rude to myself because Charleston is my birthplace. I am from Charleston, and like I went and visited my old house yesterday. And okay. I, but still, I'm like, well, this is the home of Austin and Chef. Like, maybe I'll <laughs> see them around. It's like, no, this is the home of Jody. They should see me around, but maybe I'll see their tall asses around. You probably will. You'll have to be out in these streets, though, to find them, it seems like. Um, No, I had the same thought. I was there this summer and I just was, we were more in Folly Beach, but we would come into Charleston and I was like, where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? I just wanted to see one. I did go to Leva's restaurant, though, which is very good. Very good. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, there, I only wish that I was talking about, okay, well, I have to admit, and I've said this on the pod before, that I don't watch Southern Charm, or I didn't originally watch Southern Charm, because it hit a little too close to home, coming out of a very Southern college with these very toxic men on the show. But I, it's, it seems so good this season that I want to get into it. Yeah, no, it's good. Get, come back, come back. But I, I totally get that. But, you know, it doesn't mean that you don't know the players. Doesn't mean you don't know the players. I know Um, the players. I've seen the players. Oh, I was like, personally, Jody, have we not talked about this? Okay, no, you just know of them. Okay. Okay, we'll talk off mic. Uh, I see that face. (laughs) All right, let's, we're going to start off with the news of the week. Then we are going to recap Roni. We're going to recap Salt Lake City. And then we're going to get into Southern Charm. And we're going to bring in Zach Peter for that. News of the week. 
Jody, everybody is talking about the Watch What Happens Live episode featuring Mary Cosby and Z-Way. Um, two questions before we jump into it. One, are you happy Mary's back this season? Like, to this point, I know we've talked about it, obviously, before. But what do you think to date about Mary's presence this season. And I, and I'm more so curious, is she giving you what you thought she was going to give or is maybe there a little disappointment in in the way we're getting her this season? That's the first question. That is such a complex question, Rachel, and I don't know how I feel. I'm like really staring off into the distance giving it some thought because you know, I have I have a hard time with Mary. I also find her very funny. So it is literally for me like every other episode. Like one episode, I'm like, she's hilarious. She's an alien. We've never seen a species like her before. How how wonderful to have her in our lives. And then the next episode, she's needlessly rude to a service worker. And I'm like, get her off my screen. She's a terrible person. She has, you know, defrauded many, many people in the name of religion, one of the worst things you can do. And so I just really go back and forth. And obviously, I should lean harder on the side of she's defrauded many, many people in the name of religion and be like, I don't want her on our screens. Damn, is she weird? And I do. (laughs) It's like, it's like, I just can't decide. Is it worth it for the occasional thing? Or even in this episode when, when Monica was just trying to make conversation, like, like, yeah, don't we all need a pizza right now? And Mary's like, get your own. She's so strange. Like we've never seen social behavior like this. It's not, you also asked like, is it what I expected? It's not this like very distant friend of situation where she, comes to parties, kind of doesn't speak, takes a flatbread to go is not what I was expecting. And I would prefer, I think to be, I always enjoyed, although it got kind of tiresome. Like, I mean, I just thought it was so funny to see her in her house all the time. So I do miss that. Like I miss her walk-in closet. I miss her weird plastic wrapped food. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I can't decide. It's going to be a post-mortem diagnosis. Like I have to see how the rest of the season goes. Um, I pretty much agree with your sentiments as well. And I'm coupling that with this Watch What Happens Live episode. I mean, here's the thing. I don't know what I was expecting from Mary. I think we were all just excited that she was going to be there and we were going to take what we could get. The thing is, and this goes into my second question about her, especially after this episode of Watch What Happens Live. You know, she was rude when she rejected Z-Way bringing her the fish filet. Um, a filet of fish, whatever it's called. I've never had it at McDonald's before. And it's got a cult following. People love the filet of fish. Yeah. Filet of fish, I believe, is what it's called. And p- apparently, Mary is not a part of that cult. And so she rejected that. Then, you know, she was very rude about the game that they played, Versace or Hibachi, when it came to people's styles. She's, hibachi was the bad thing, and she gave everybody a hibachi. But honestly, Mary was dressed quite tacky on Watch What Happens Live. I don't know what was going on with that outfit. I mean, she has terrible style. Like, she definitely has brands and designers and money from somewhere. But she has terrible style. Yeah. She's, you know, it was the... Well, and then there was the Heather comment, which sent everybody reeling, and rightfully so, because she not only was rude, but she was body shaming her. And as I watched Mary 
And this, and that's what's interesting too. This was live. This wasn't taped. This wasn't pieced together. This is Mary Cosby. Like there's no denying it. This is Mary. So the question I have is, because everybody walked away saying Mary is so mean. Do you actually, would you describe her as mean? Because I don't, I wouldn't. Uh, I Something about the word mean necessitates intention. Exactly. Intending to be mean. I, I would honestly call her evil. I, I think she's a, I think she's a deeply bad person. Oh my God. And like she, Rachel's choking. And I know that's an extreme word, but, but Mary has been like, Mary's been body shaming Heather since the moment this, this series premiered. Like I always remember Heather walking into Mary's party that she threw. What was that restaurant with that old man? (laughs) You remember? It was so funny when she threw that when she threw that party and she had that champagne because people died and she gave everybody like Louis Vuitton AirPods. I don't know. It was so wild. But Heather walked in. She was wearing like a formal strapless dress. Right. The Devin is reminding us the fake Met Gala. It had like a hundred themes. And I remember Mary patting. Heather's stomach and being like, oh, look at this little flat stomach. Like, you, like, like, oh, good job. You're doing it. I was like, fuck you. And she said something to Monica last week about the way that Monica was eating and was like, you're just such a pretty girl. I don't want you. You, you better not eat it away. Fuck you. Like that, like it in, it in fury. I mean, like that's, that's, and it's, and I'm working myself into a lather. We shouldn't excuse it. Like, I shouldn't excuse it because she's an alien who makes jokes. But there is something, like you said, unpredictable. Like, no one knew. And having her on Watch What Happens Live with Z-Way, the assumption, it was like, it was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be what? Because, like, Z-Way's whole thing is, like, making people uncomfortable and, like, you know, putting them on the defense and... Mary is so strange that I think even like Z-Way was like, I can't do anything with this. She couldn't. She just had to sit back and take it. She had to sit back and observe and watch. I, the reason I hesitate on calling her mean, obviously she has said mean things. Something is off. I mean, you refer to her as an alien and I am not one to diagnose, but it's, there is, the reason I said yes when you were like, with mean, there's an intention. I truly believe that Mary says these things. She believes these things. And I'm not excusing her because I think she says terrible things, of totally offensive, despicable. But it's almost like there's a chip missing where she doesn't get it. She has no empathy. Like, you know, I'm not calling her a sociopath, but just like that type of behavior. But she I'm just... saying the word out loud. <laughs> let let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard her say a nice thing? I feel like I have, but it was the first. It was the first season. I feel like I have, but it was the first season. But that's what I mean. I just feel like there's she's lack of void of any type of emotion. There's no empathy. She's just like, what? I said it. I mean, there's, it's gotta be called something. She just, there's, she is no, yes, as Devin is saying, she's no social cues. It's like she's never been around people before. Like she lives in that house. She doesn't come out of that house or that closet room or whatever it is. 
She's, it's like she doesn't know how to interact, which is... But this is where I, like, get messed up, is, like, she she comes out of that house for one thing, and it's to preach to other people. And, like, I can allow space for that, like, she is clearly a deeply traumatized individual, and, like, a lot of her youth sounds, you know, she is also traumatized by the church, but then she's doing it. She is coming out of her walk-in closet to preach. That's tough for me. That's uh, tough you know, for me. We've, I, would, I would, if I go to Salt Lake City ever, I've never been, I would absolutely be on the hunt for that church because we saw her, I, I would bet she doesn't even preach every Sunday. Like, I would bet we just saw that for the cameras. But I think that's what makes it worse is that she does present herself as a pastor, a preacher, a leader of a flock of people. And like above reproach. Yes. And so that's that's part of it. And it's tough to, to to watch. But I think the most curious thing to me about Mary is the person who convinced her to be not once, but twice on the show. I would love a sit down of what that process was like, what they had to do, what Mary said. I need to understand because even on Watch What Happens Live, Mary said, they were like, well, why did you come back? People want to know. And she's like, to help them. You know, like they needed me. And to a point, yes, we did. But you're not doing anything on the show. You're, you're, you're just there. I don't even think she's, not, she's a friend of. And as you said, she's a friend of a friend of a friend of. Or like, I, it's just, there's no connection. So I need to understand how she was convinced to come back, what that conversation looked like. What I just... I need to understand Mary. I guess that's where this I This is all reminding me. Oh, good good luck. We got an uphill battle. Do you remember when Mary tried to start a podcast? <laughs> I was trying to think when you were like, when you were like, I want to know who sat her down. I was like, have we ever seen Mary in sort of like a normal moment, like a normal conversation? And that was the closest I could get of like a vulnerable Mary moment is when she tried to start a podcast. And, she, and it was with like two men from her church, like one was producing and one was like her co-host who was like, a, and she was so mean to them. Oh, and she called the guy who led the choir fat. Just remembering that. So she's got a, she's yeah. got a, I don't know if it's a childhood thing, but she's constantly body shaming people constantly. Uh, okay. Let's get into Roni. Okay. Aaron and Cy, we still pick up where they are, where they're totally bashing. Jessel. And Sai's talking to Aaron. It's like Sai presents herself as the I'm I'm above all this. I just don't care. It's not that important. But the thing she cares the most about is shitting on Jessel and then running back to have a conversation with Aaron on the phone about Jessel. If you totaled up the time of who Sai has talked about the most, it's not her kids, it's not her husband. It's not the other women. It's not her business. It's Jessel. Her entire storyline, at least the second half of the season, has been about Jessel. And I don't understand how Cy doesn't see that. Now, with Aaron, Aaron's an equal opportunist. Everybody can get it. Aaron's come at everybody. You know, but with Cy, yeah, like it's Aaron's Jessel. just jumping in 
on like now it's Jessel's turn. So Aaron's like, I'm here. I am available to talk shit on FaceTime at your leisure. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Aaron is completely an equal opportunity shit talker. Yes. Yes. That almost that that is kind of a glass shattering moment for me, Rachel. Like that almost makes me like Aaron's presence on the show. Because like, she, she is who is. she is. Yeah. And and like and no no self-awareness, but that is the difference between Sai and Aaron, is that like Erin cares deeply about everything. And I do think she knows that. She's an intense and uptight person. And I've been talking about this over on Bachelor Party. Like, I am fascinated by really uptight people. It's just, it's so different for me that I just, it's kind of fun to see. So you like Bethany? You like Bethany then? Bethany is something different than us. She's queen of the uptights. She definitely is, and I did. I abs- on New uh, when she was on New York, I absolutely loved that. Yeah, like that she was so wound up all the time. And Erin's is almost funnier because you see her battling it. She's so uptight, but she like wants to seem chill. And then and then Sai, you know, Sai is a cool girl. Like she wants to seem like a cool girl who doesn't care about anything. I think it's a power dynamic. I think she thinks she's better than Jessel. And I think she kind of assumes that she will come across as like the cool and relatable person on this new Roni cast, which has definitely backfired. And and so to care about Jessel's issues is to like seed power, but she does care. No matter how many times she says, I don't care, it always comes after a tirade. Like it comes after her wilding out on Jessel or, I mean, I thought the worst thing she said on this FaceTime when she's like debriefing with Aaron is she's talking about, I mean, they cannot keep Pavit's name out of their oh mouth. Oh my gosh, I She's know. talking about the Jessel and Pavit staycation where they, you know, she kind of thinks allegedly had sex. And she's, she said, she's like, it took 25 minutes for me to warm up. I'm like, what are you, a fucking oven? Don't talk about the way another woman has sex. Do not talk about the way another woman has sex. Yeah. That's so true. It's just like, I guess I thought Cy got it when her husband David broke it down to her about having twins and what that does. And I thought we had a breakthrough, but clearly we haven't. And it seems like even David's like given up when they start talking about Pavit's sex life. It's like David's even like, okay, like I can't stop her. This woman clearly is obsessed with this entire thing. But it is disgusting because... She had twins. She's obviously opening up to the women that she hasn't been able to sexually connect or even feel sexy around her husband. And like, Jody, if a friend came to you with that, wouldn't you be so understanding? I mean, you might first be like, oh my gosh, y'all haven't had sex in a year and a half. But then your, ne- your next response would be, why? Are you like... Is it okay? I've Are you had okay? Friends tell me that something like that, you know, because I had a friend it's very just tell normal. Me this. Yes, I had a friend if si- just if tell si me this. If Sai and Aaron haven't had anyone tell them this or talk to something, it's kind of like you know, if you're not hearing it, you're the problem. Like if they haven't had anyone be open with them about this, like I don't know, they're in their late thirties, right? Like then that's kind of a problem. Maybe people don't feel comfortable because yeah, it's the combination of Sai and Aaron is this like, we're cool. We fuck our husbands. We fuck them so A hundred percent. That is the, that so is the vibe. Like, it's so like, pick me sort of. And, and then really in this, this episode, it was, you know, we're, we've, 
historically been big fans of David, but David and Abe together do this whole like, oh yeah, cheers to being away from our wives. Oh, our nag, our like nag wives sort of thing. It's like everyone was doing like a 1996 Jeff Foxworthy skit. <laughs> like what is this? I'm pretty sure we are past the point of like this marriage narrative that like, you know, these wives just keep us from having any fun. And then they're kind of like, pulling both sides of the rope, which is that, you know, later they jump on top of Pavit for, he didn't say this, but for saying like, I like Sai because she lets me do whatever I want. But then on this FaceTime call, when they're talking about the Vietnam trip, Aaron's like, she she's like, yeah, I bet Abe and David wish that they could go on a plane for three days and just get some peace and quiet, but we won't let them. I was like, don't tell that story about yourselves. And if that is how not to speak about someone else's marriage, but if that's how things are working, where, you know, I don't think they you're are. always being put in the, like, rulemaker position, that's no way to live. Yeah, like, they, uh, it's interesting the point you bring about Abe, because the the narrative on Abe is changing to me. When we, when we really saw Abe, when he had the storyline of, like, first he was quiet and he was just kind of there, and it was like, oh, did I tell you, Aaron's like, did I tell you I had sex in a senator's office? And he's like, the kids are in the car. So you're kind of like, oh, you know, Abe is a little bit more quiet, chill, maybe even a little docile. And then even with the whole brand situation, he kind of laughed about it. He seemed to be very easygoing. But now the Abe that we see, I'm like, of course you were laughing at Bryn. You're probably clocking 10 years from now. Bryn, you're more than welcome, you know, to come in here. Oh, he thought the, he thought the divorce comment was funny. He was laughing and making jokes too. That's the Abe that we get. I totally can see Abe you know, making those comments like he was with David about, oh, my wife is this, my wife is that, the old ball and chain. Yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah. That's, the, that's what I was trying to think of, <laughs> ball and chain. That kind of talk and and thinking it's cool and it's funny. And I bet he does it in front of Aaron because even when I see Aaron and Abe together, Aaron seems to be more of like, well, that's just Abe. She doesn't, she's not the same I don't want to say aggressor, but like she doesn't have the same power or presence that she does with the women with Abe. She kind of just like lets say Abe, Abe say whatever, and then she's like, "Oh, Abe, stop it!" Or Abe, Abe, a lot like, of clutching her chest and saying Abe, and she's like, "I'm going to kill believe Abe." That they went to a bar or a restaurant or whatever that was called Swingers. The after, production had to pick after that their, up. After their admission last week. And and I think Sai and David kind of made a joke about it as they walked in. And then, of course, at this place, they have the the triple date plus Uba with Jessalyn Povett. Um, did you think, okay, so we see Sai and Jessel going back and forth, back and forth. They're not going to get along. I really don't even have that much to say about it because... And I, well, let me ask this. Did they cut a piece of it out? I'm sure we didn't get the full argument, but it seemed to go, size seemed to in particular, be addressing it and talking about it. And then all of a sudden she's like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I don't care. And just, I was like, how did it escalate to this point? It, there just seemed to be, I mean, and Pavin has made reference to like Sai going from zero to a hundred, but I just didn't understand how it's like Sai has no interest in having just a simple conversation with Jessel to actually get to some resolution. She's super combative every single time they talk. And that was frustrating to watch even at Swingers. And when she got up and left, I thought, 
Hopefully she walks out the door and we can continue the rest of the evening. But no, she went over to the men to go play golf. To give Pavit, you know, a yet another third degree about <laughs> going to Vietnam and what his schedule is. And if she could get an itinerary, get shared with the Google Doc, like see what details she could get about that. You know, something about what you were just saying was remind... I was like, I think that Sai sees herself as so... Like, she sees Jessel and this argument as not worth her time. But she does care about it. But Jessel's reaction is pretty low. You know, like, she keeps the energy pretty low. She's not extremely bothered by Sai not being interested in her. And I was trying to think of... It doesn't remind me of this, but sort of like a counterbalance to it is when Dorinda was so awful to Tinsley... And it really upset Tinsley. Like, it, you know, Tinsley gave Dorinda the reaction she wanted. She needed Dorinda to be okay with her because they're in a cast together. They're not friends. They're co-workers. And, like, you know, Tinsley's livelihood is reliant on... And, like, Jessel's not giving any of that. She she actually doesn't seem to care if Sai ever comes around on her or not, you know? And I think that that is causing Sai's outsized reaction. Like, the response to, I don't care about this, She, I think she wants for it to be Jessel begging her to care about it, but Jessel's just kind of like, yeah, I thought this lunch would go better than it did. Crazy, huh? <laughs> and Jessel's accent even makes it even more like, whatever. It just, it, like, oh my it gosh. adds an extra flair. You know, it's like... <laughs> Everything she, she got a true laugh out loud from me when she was like getting annoyed about them asking about Pavit. And she's she's like, it's none of their business. Like, hey, Abe, how many shits did you take today? I don't fucking care. <laughs> like, so I'm not even going to pretend to do her accent because it's it's such a unique like it's like a light it's British accent. I can't beautiful. do it. I, I, it's beautiful. So I pretty. truly, you know, as an ASMR lover, I could listen to Jessel talk all day. Her voice is beautiful to me. Um, it's soft. Um, Uba, what did you think about David out of nowhere? I mean, it's already awkward for Uba enough that she's on the, at this dinner with three other couples. And then you're going to talk to her from across the sectional and basically confront her about why she's single. That was just such an odd... It's like, did somebody whisper in your ear and say, ask Uba why she doesn't have a man? Dave, David, you need to be the one. We can't do it. Just was such an left. Well, probably field. we saw we saw them do that about Pavit, like instruct the husbands <laughs> to ask Pavit <laughs> about true. his Vietnam itinerary. Um, so maybe I hadn't thought about that. Like if Sai was like, hey, bring this up. Um, as a pretty permanently single person myself, don't ask me that. Why am I single? Cause I wanna be, like, cause I have good reason to be, because I don't haven't haven't found anyone I'm trying to date right now. Like, Uba is... Except, I don't know, I guess we do hear Uba say, and she's kind of teasing about, like, I can't keep a man for three days, but my assumption is that, like, no one is good enough for Uba. She's so cool. She's so funny. She's yeah. so beautiful. Like, you know, she she's, she's busy. And she's in, selling hot sauce. And independent. I feel like she has built a great life for herself and this is the way that she wants to live it. And if someone comes in and compliments that, then great. And if not, I'm happy with the way that I am. And I don't know why that's such a foreign thing for David to accept or even to realize. Like, you're this, this, and this. Why can't you find someone? That's like the most 
I don't know. It's just such a, it made me understand David and Cy together. Maybe it maybe I understand. I I don't think he was intentionally trying to be, but the fact that he didn't have any kind of awareness to realize how offensive that can be is problematic to me. I and, and maybe that's the theme with Sai and David. There seems to be this lack of awareness because I guarantee you, Sai had no idea she was going to come off this way, and there's this lack of awareness with it. And I would bet. Do you think coming into the reunion because? The, the general consensus is people can't stand Psy. Even Z-Way said it. Her take on Roni, she was like an abs- a big no to Psy. Do yeah. you think she'll double down on this behavior at the reunion? Or if she'll say, you know, I didn't like the way that I came across. That's not me. Like, yeah, I'm tough on this, but that's not really me. Oh, I think she'll double down for sure. Like, I just, there is nothing about her that suggests like eating a slice of humble pie or lowering the ego to do some introspection and some self-reflection. And you know, like she is, she's tough. And like, I think she sees that toughness as never backing down. And this narrative about honesty, uh, people who talk about being honest a lot, I find are big liars. Like it's just everyone lies a little, you know, because it's like you if you're if you're being honest 100% of the time, then you're rude. Like sometimes you tell little stories for other people's sake. Honestly, like obviously, it is good to be honest. But I actually and this this might be a weird, a weird (laughs) drum to beat or hill to die on. But like, I thought it was weird that David said his favorite thing about Sai is how honest she is. That's a weird favorite thing. It wasn't weird to me. I it, it wasn't, wasn't weird to you. It wasn't, and I am not one to take up for that couple. But it wasn't we weird. Used to, we used to love David. It was. I still like David. I think he's being influenced by the size, the size of it all. Um, I I didn't think it was weird because also I'm like, okay, he was in a relationship before. Maybe honesty was an issue. Because I guess I I put loyalty and honesty together. So I feel like that's kind of what he was saying. Do, are you saying you, th- you think Cy made him say that? Oh, no. <laughs> I, do, I, do, I don't. But it is, it's like they are creating this narrative together of like, Cy is just so, Cy is so honest that you guys just don't get it because you're not honest because you didn't tell us when Pavit is going to Vietnam. Like, this okay we got to talk about Poppet going to Vietnam because it is so funny and like all of if you haven't looked at Poppet's Instagram you got to go watch his most recent reel where I that I do think is going to catapult him into becoming like a bigger influencer than Psy his <laughs> floating his little floating head as he explains how he got these Vietnam tickets for $900 and how he's using them. And if you look at his Instagram, this is what he does. He travels in first. This is his hobby. I imagine it is somewhat involved with, I don't, I don't think we know what he does, but you know, he must travel for work. How else do you get really into like first class international travel? He's been doing this for years. Like he, he literally is like a travel influencer, but without the influencer, he's just doing it for the love of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, and they're, you know, calling it into question 
I do understand because when we saw the trailer, it did seem strange that he would be going to Vietnam for 24 hours. Here. We questioned it here but on the podcast. But once you hear the details, and I, I'm defending Pavit. I, I'm so far in Pavit and Jessel's corner that I'm acting like I know what any of this means. I'm like, he's doing it for the miles. I don't know what that means. I don't know what, I don't know how you do that. I don't I, like- To keep status. I know what it means. Yeah, to keep status. But it's like, I don't know anything about those details, but I'm like, yeah, duh. He's keeping status. He's, it's, you know, I just, I just believe it. Um, okay, well, the final scene, we see Jessel, Brand, and Jenna meet up, which I love. I love this girl group, only missing Uba. Um, and then Jessel's kind of like updating them on what happened and the madness of it all. And Bryn tells Jessel that Aaron was questioning her marriage after swingers. And I love this. Bryn always owns up in her confessional. She's always like, was I stirring the pot? Was I instigating? Absolutely. And I'm like, Thank you, Brand, for understanding the assignment. I love this because this is just going to add more tension between Jessel and Aaron. But I actually love this conversation because it really seemed like friends were listening to the concern of their other friend. I felt like Brand and Jenna were really listening to Jessel, were really her advice, good and, you know, like being very honest about certain things. And Jessel was receiving it. And it just felt refreshing coming off the conversation with Aaron, Sai and Jessel, or Sai and Jessel to see friends talking about an issue. I don't know. I liked the same. Not for any messiness, just for friendship. Yeah, I liked it too. It felt very natural. Like there, there was something about it that really felt like the way you go over to your friend's house and your husband's kind of like floating in and out of the room, like contributing to some parts and not saying something inappropriate so that then you guys can be like, don't say that ever again. And here's why. Like, Poppy ran into the room. He poured himself a glass of champagne and was like, he sure did. Once they started gossiping, he said, let me get in on this before I have to leave for Vietnam. That was very funny. Um, yeah, I liked I liked that scene. I mean, Jenna is a real stabilizing presence to these other women. I think she's been to a lot of therapy and like she can very quickly assess the larger view. Um, and yeah, and I liked that like it, kind of at the end, you know, uh, Jessel was getting kind of upset and she was like, let me just close the loop on this. This is my best friend, like pointing to Pavit. Like we got our thing. And they don't need to worry about it. <laughs> and 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 you see it, right? I, it was it Bren who said who said they love their relationship and they really seem like it. Was it Jenna or Bren? Somebody was pointing out their dynamic, or maybe it was Jessel herself. I don't know. I, but I do see the way Bren, the way they kind of go back and forth with one another. It, there does seem to be a friendship where they sit down and they joke, or even they have like a contentious conversation or they just, you know, like they're able to joke about their sex life. They're able to, you know, they just don't take themselves too seriously. And I do feel like there's an understanding there that comes with friendship and, you know, a romantic relationship as well. So I don't know. I, I'm like you, I am so team Pavit and Jessel and I'm happy to be team. I wish I knew their last names team them. 
team them. I'm gonna go follow Pavit on Instagram. I gotta, <laughs> oh, yeah. I gotta learn. Should... I gotta get some points. Yeah, there's a career here for sure. I hope he capitalizes on it. Um, okay, let's move on to Salt Lake. Oh, next week we get to see the finale of Roni. I know that I've tried to make it the finale these last two episodes, but we have finally reached the end. I'm just really excited to get to the reunion. We do see finally this blow up between Bryn and Sai because we know that. At the start of the season, Sai did say in an interview that she, Bryn, is no longer her best friend, but we never understood why. We didn't know if we were going to get that on camera. And Sai did say that Bryn talks too much. So it seems like whatever goes down at this last meetup, I don't even know where they are. Um, they make it seem like it's something that Sai told Bryn about Uba, but the way Sai explodes, which it makes it seem like, oh, she told Uba, she told Bryn that Uba was dating somebody in Connecticut. But that seems so innocent. So it's like that made Sai get angry like that. I don't know. I'm I'm I have no idea, but I am looking forward to that. Uh, but that will be the finale. And then we'll get to the reunion, which I'm so eager for. And it better be three parts with the husbands. I think it's two. We two is enough. We two is enough. We'll get the husband. Right. We'll I guess husband. so, because the majority of the conflict has been the husbands. The husbands in our better in, be better in Salt Lake City terms. It better be better. Than OC, which is why we're skipping it this week, guys. Because as promised, if the reunion sucked, we weren't going to suck too talking about it. So we're not covering it. But we are going to cover Salt Lake City and we're moving on to that now. I loved this episode. I know you guys you did. I'm so glad, Rachel. I know you guys, I always bring it to you. and I'm like, oh, this sucked. Oh, we didn't get it. But maybe for me, I just need the episode to start off big. I need a, t- a to be continued and I need to pick up where we left off with bam. You know, we didn't miss a beat. We started this episode off with those cameras running after Angie to get to Meredith. And that is the kind of episode that I like. We start high and I don't care if we, I'm, I'm going to be high the whole time. I am. Yeah. So, that's a good, yeah, that's a good point. We start with Meredith's angry eye. And I don't think we mentioned last week how... I'm going to be really hard on Whitney this episode. But I will say, that was so funny last week when Whitney was like, she got out her serious eye. (laughs) Her eye, like, right up to Monica's. like, And then the editors do a package of... And it's like, yeah, Meredith does. She gets that eye out and she's like, don't touch me. We And we started off with a lot of serious eye from (laughs) Meredith. And Angie, I don't think I realized how tiny Angie is. She's tiny just stomping around that whatever poor restaurant they were in that was open to the public. Okay. I'm so glad that you noticed that because constantly, if they're not in a house, every restaurant they go to looks like that. Every event, it's like the bare bones. As my dad would say, like Spartan living, you got your table, you got your chair, you got your bathroom, your window. Like there's not, there's no decor. There's not, have you noticed that? Maybe they're just going to the same place over and over again. Even when they showed the outside of it, I was like, this, it's like warehouse living. They it's- do go to a lot of the same places. Like Salt Lake City is truly a small town. And that, that, like they, they're always going to the same restaurants. This place looked new to me, but they do all look the same. Like they just all kind of look like a... I don't know, like a 1999 like bar and grill. <laughs> like they're just sort of outdated. They have like square back 
chairs. And but this one was so weird because they're over in this. That place was, I don't know, they're over in this area. And then like over at the bar are people trying to enjoy their chicken wings while Angie is screaming about Meredith spreading her legs. (laughs) I didn't even, I was about to say, what was this party for again? Poor, poor Lisa. Nobody's talking about Vita. And I say poor Lisa. Oh, well, I wouldn't worry about it because it wasn't, it was Lisa just threw a party for herself. She just said, I'm doing great. And I want to throw a party. Which and she, like it wasn't it wasn't for like a Vita milestone. It was just like it Lisa have been. throwing a part herself. It couldn't a have party. been. And I love that you said the point was to show that she's great, which she points out later. Um, I'm amazing. I'm doing I'm doing amazing. I'm okay. I'm great. I'm great. Which we see her later say in a conversation with Angie and Whitney. But let's get back to Angie and Meredith. Now we talked about this last week, and I think this is what's frustrating to me about this confrontation. Because the way the message was delivered to Angie, it made it seem like Meredith is spreading the rumors. And unless it happened off mic, off camera, we have not seen Meredith explicitly state what the rumors are. All she said was that they're rumors and don't get me talking about the husband. Angie's coming and saying, you were spreading these specific rumors. And Meredith's like, no, I didn't. And from what the audience knows, No, she didn't. She just said that she's aware of them. And even at one point, Whitney was like, well, you did tell me that um, there are rumors about Angie. And Meredith was like, yeah, I probably did tell you that. That's true. But I didn't talk about the rumors. And so I get frustrated watching this because it's really, it's not fair to Angie or Meredith in this situation because there's something missing here. We don't know who was spreading the rumors. Yes, we do. It's Whitney. It's not fair to Angie. It's not fair to Meredith. It's not fair to Monica, who is like, for some reason, pushed into a position of actually saying what the rumors are out loud. It's Whitney. Like later, Lisa is is like, this is a pattern. I'm seeing this pattern in Meredith that she spreads rumors about families, just subbing. And then, and then they flash back to allegedly Meredith spreading that rumor. And it's a clip of Whitney talking talking about Lisa giving blowjobs for jazz tickets. Like it is, I and Meredith is not innocent. Meredith is going around saying, I know rumors right. that I could tell. <laughs> like she's absolutely doing this on purpose. She's seeding the information. And then Whitney is, if, if there's a pattern and if there's a process, Whitney is as big of a part of it. And Whitney and Meredith are like, unwittingly working together. They definitely don't seem to be actually working together. Last time, Whitney and Meredith were working together to get the rumors out about Lisa. This time, Whitney is somehow working with Meredith to throw Meredith under the bus as someone who spreads rumors. And I think, (laughs) I do think, I think Meredith told Whitney that the rumors were that Sean was sleeping with men or what. I think, and but Angie, I'm sorry, Whitney is playing this card that she doesn't know. She and sh- and she looks like such a dork because everyone else is like, "Oh yeah, of course we know these rumors. We've literally all heard these rumors." Heather is like, "Sean is a hairdresser in Salt Lake City." She says, "If you come to a family reunion in a cardigan, everyone thinks you're gay in Utah. Like this is a this is a backwards place. Like this is not a progressive place." Heather was being very funny this episode. Um, so like, yeah. At, at, 
everyone else is saying like, of course, we've heard these rumors. It's it's so commonplace that we all ignore it, which makes, I think, Whitney look like an idiot for saying she hasn't heard the rumors. Because exactly. like, of course she has. She's just, she is playing producer so hard. And I feel and like you she's know really why? transparent. Because she doesn't have a storyline. What is Whitney talking about? She's not talking about her business. I mean, in the previews for next week, we see something. She's going back to, she's working and her husband's going back to work, which I don't know. He didn't have a job for a year and it's because of y'all slapping each other around and mud or whatever it was. You should be thrilled that he has another job. I don't know. I feel like she's about to throw Justin under the bus so hard. She was trying to do it last week when he was like, so maybe like I'll take the kids to school and you pick them up. And she's like, oh, now I have to do everything. It was like, well, no. And nobody's (laughs) taken away from your... Exactly. Nobody's taken away from the fact that you're a businesswoman and that you have to work. That's understandable. But like last season, you were talking about being kind of stretched for money because Justin didn't have a job. Justin got a job. Like what? <laughs> Justin got a job in the face of being like a describe. I I would like to know what his job is. Like I, I'm sh- I'm shocked marketing? that he got another job. I think it's in marketing or something like that. That means he's probably really good at what he does. I feel like wherever he was before, he'd been there for a while. Um. Anyways, wherever he got it, they're progressive. Wherever he got the job, they're progressive people because the the last employer was not. Um. So Meredith and Angie, of course, come to no resolution. Angie calls Mary, I mean, Meredith out and, and goes, you know, below the belt. You've gone after everyone's marriage and yells out, but you're the only one spreading their legs outside of their marriage. I, if I'm Meredith, I'm walking away from that as well. Um, and then Meredith, which I thought this was funny. Meredith goes and sits down. Like she walks away from Angie and Monica and Whitney and goes over and sits down and acts like nothing's happened. And I don't know how Lisa the it's confrontation. I don't know. She Lisa's sitting with Mary. They couldn't have been talking about much because we know Mary doesn't even like Lisa, and Mary's not really talking. How she stayed at the party this long, I still don't know. It must have been the food. And Lisa's just sitting there and she sees Meredith come over and Meredith kind of sits there and she's like, you guys, Lisa goes, you guys, I'm so glad we're all together. Nothing comes, that comes so out of Lisa's great. mouth. Sounds like there's no meaning behind it, but it just was so perfect. The timing was perfect. And I then loved she, it. And then she says it. And then Mary looks like, yeah, bitch. And Lisa, <laughs> Meredith's like, yeah, I'm so great. I just got reamed by Angie about spreading my legs, you know, in my, it just, it was, it was perfect. I hope a producer whispered in Lisa's ear and said, tell everybody how glad you are to be here. Okay. So th- this moment, the next day, we see Angie having to tell her husband about the rumors that happened. I love her husband. I love that he looks yeah. like one of the Lachey brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, shout out to my sister, Lachey. my sister for pointing that out. I, I was like, I knew he looked familiar. Oh, um, I said it too on this uh, on this very pod. I think oh. like he looks so much like Lachey. I think everyone, and it, it's something about the hat too, the like permanent it's the hat. hat. It's all because that brother, that other brother, I've, or no, one of the ninety eight degrees guys wears it. Um, but his. I believed him. I don't, there's something off about the house and the rumors and the dynamic in that family, but those tears and that emotion and everything that he said, I was moved. Did you cry, Jody? You cried. 
I'm try- I did cry at some point during these episodes. I'm trying to remember if it was here. It may, it may, it may have been because I was also moved. And I also liked that he said, you know, after she tells him, she he's like, it's not about like the gay or the straight thing. It's like adultery. There's nothing like I couldn't be accused of anything worse than that in my eyes. And I don't want our daughter to hear that and believe it. Like, you know, on a show that has a really like messed up history with like how we approach sexuality, I appreciated that he pointed out that that is not the offensive part of the rumor. The offensive part is that he's cheating on his wife all over town. Um, Yeah, and he was, I mean, he does seem really nice. However, I think Angie is a true monster. So it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to hold on to that. A hundred percent. I, I I was waiting. I was like, your husband's crying. And and she did kind of get choked up a bit. I did. I, I give all those compliments I gave. I did note that he didn't deny, you know, the, the rumors about him with other men, but he seemed more b- bothered that this conversation was out there and how it could affect the daughter, which is true. You know, she is old enough to see this stuff. And we we learn later that the kids are getting this information from other kids when Lisa talks about it. So that is going to be tough for a daughter to heal that. And I love that he said he's just tried so hard to be her hero. I don't know, you know, what's true. Oh, that is, that's when I cried. Yeah, it I was cried. it was really it was really sweet. And I believe everything. I believe that he doesn't want this conversation to be out there. I believe he's afraid of how it's going to affect his daughter. But I don't know what's true and what's not because he didn't deny. He just says adultery's wrong. He didn't deny. I thought Angie's reaction to what he said was kind of wild because he's like, I've been working so hard to be her hero and he's really emotional about it. And she was like, what she said sounded nice and like the right thing to say. She said, you are, and the way that you handle this will will show her she's going to admire you even more. I was like, Angie, do you think that she is going to admire how you handled this situation? Like if admiration is the goal, we're a little off the mark. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still think there's just something so weird about that house. I'm sorry. Maybe it's just that. I I, I love that Devin noted this because I saw it too when they, and, and the producers wanted us to see it, right? But before we got to the conversation with Sean and Angie, they started out with showing us this picture on the wall, which I swear wasn't there last episode because we were talking about there was no decor in that house. And then all of a sudden you get this weird picture of like Angie. It's like, there's never this connection between Angie and Sean and it's Angie and her daughter and their faces seem distorted by this painting. And then Sean's with a horse. Am I, did I get like Sean standing afar? Yeah, he's standing like really far away and he's, he's, he's with a pony and he's wearing one of those tapered suits that, that like Heather was talking about that are, you know, like in Utah, if you wear like a, like a tapered pant, someone's going to call you gay or whatever. Um, yeah, the, the close-ups were they're so, they're kind of weird about the way they talk about their, they talk about Electra, their their daughter, like she's a baby. Yes, they do. Like, yes. She's like a kid. She's like, I, I think she's like, like 10 or 11. Yeah. She's been around a long time. So, I mean, I don't know. It might be worth taking a look at like, because that baby's going to go to college in four years, you know? Yeah. Like, She's like, oh, she was in my bed and she was holding my hand. I'm like, I, until they, because remember they talked about her before we saw her. 
like in the couple of episodes. And so I was thinking, here's going to be this toddler running in. And I'm like, she's a teenager. She is a teen. She's a big kid. She's a big kid. I do. And she, they sleep, they all three sleep in the bed together every night. That's why that bed's so big. And that's why the bed's so big. Or she goes and sleeps with her. So it's just, it's, it's, it's different. It's a different dynamic, but I do really appreciate the flow of that scene that put us the picture before and not after. Can you imagine watching Sean cry and then they pan out to the picture? We wouldn't have appreciated, like I needed to see the picture and then take us through this transition. Yeah, it was a really respectful display. The editors have done it again. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a very delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. All right, Zach Peter. What do you got to say? What do you got to say about your boy Austin this week? What do you have to say? You cannot defend. I know how much you love Austin. I know how much you love problematic behavior, red flags, all the things. What do you have to say for Austin, whatever his last name is, this episode? Okay, Austin Kroll, first of all, get it right. (laughs) And second of all, Bless his poor little heart. He's trying so hard to just be a good man. And listen, sometimes these temptresses come in and they mess with his head, Rachel. They mess with his head and his heart and he doesn't know which head to think with. So he often goes for the one downstairs. I forgot to tell you, we have a guest on this podcast today. Taylor, welcome to the show. Because that (laughs) is the energy that you're giving, Zach. That is the energy you're giving. I... Don't even believe you believe what you just said. So I don't. Can- <laughs> I don't. I can't even convince myself. It was so bad. Austin, like, oh, I'm like, Austin. And then the way he wants to be um, Olivia's friend, I'm like, bro, what are we doing? It was bad for so many levels because it's not even the act of Austin and Taylor kissing, which you guys, that's how... You know how I feel about episodes starting with a high. This episode starts high and it stays that way the entire time. So we pick right back up with the conversation that Shep and Austin are having where Austin is clearly inebriated and he's just saying whatever whatever he's asked, he is answering. And so he basically just says, yes, you know, I kissed Taylor. Austin admits that he did it. We know that Taylor, they give us the flashbacks. She wanted to put her hand on the Bible. This is a religious woman, guys. And I'm not saying Christians don't lie. It's just, I was really giving Taylor the benefit of the doubt because all she had to just say when asked and confronted by Shep or anyone else or Olivia is, no, I didn't. Still a lie. 
But the extreme of, I put my hand on the Bible to sound more believable because people know she's religious. I swear on my life, how could you believe anything? She was so convincing. She did it. She didn't have any emotion. She, I mean, didn't stammer when she was saying it. I mean, it, it was cold. And even the things that she says later on in the episode show that there is a coldness to Taylor that we have not seen before. There's this disconnect. She seems she seems to have taken all the emotion out of this situation. But so has Shep. Here's the thing. Shep says he has, but acts like he hasn't. Taylor literally is saying she has, and she acts like she has as well. Um, your thoughts on, well, first we see them, they hug it out. Your thoughts on Shep, Shep's reaction to to Austin admitting it and then Austin's initial reaction after he told Shep. Um, I You can just tell that this bothers Shep so much, but I think Craig made a really good point in saying that Shep just trying to brush it off is mm-hmm. Shep having ulterior motives in the sense that he knows he really screwed up with Taylor. So if he gets to come in and be like, well, she also screwed up, then it kind of alleviates him. But I think this affects him so much more than he's willing to like lead on. But it's like, how does that not affect you? Like these people have lied consistently to your face. This is supposed to be your friend. Not only did he make out with your ex-girlfriend right after the breakup, but like then they lied to you for six months to your face. Yeah, this is a collusion. Atlanta talked about a collusion. This is this is what this is. They they lied about it, but they talked about how they were going to lie about it. It's just so bad. And Shep is Shep admits on this podcast. He says, "I I'm a podcast." Shep admits in this episode, "I love women. I haven't, you know, like I'm Basically, that's my kryptonite. I have this weakness. I've messed up when it comes to relationships because of the way that I love women. And we know that about Shep, and I'm not excusing that. But Austin and Taylor, this was your best friend and your ex. There's something different about that that I believe you can. it doesn't cancel out. What Taylor and Austin did does not cancel out what Shep did. It's another level because these are there's a friendship here. And it's well. Shep even says it. He's like, "Where's the, the line?" Pheasant. Yeah, I don't care if pheasant brings you together. That this relationship is messed up. And I think jumping ahead a little bit, the reason that Shep got so mad at the table when Austin and Olivia were yelling at each other across the table is because he really wants to pretend like everything's okay. And he knows it's not. And the way Olivia and Austin are going at it shows that it's not and it's exposing it. And he wants to pretend like it doesn't exist, which I feel like is a Shep MO. I just want to pretend it never happened. But you can't do that. This was, these are your friends. Friends, you're trying to have a friendship with Taylor. This is your best friend. This is also your ex who you still get emotional about when you see her playing with the dog that y'all share together, which I have mixed feelings about that. When he's, when Shep is crying over seeing Taylor and little Craig unite, I thought, I believe his tears, but I believe the crying is, damn, I wish having my cake and eating it too. I think he loved the loyalty and the closeness he had every day with Taylor, but he still wanted to go out and fuck around. 
So do you believe, um, who said it, that they think that that Shep is in love with Taylor? Paige said it. Paige no, said it, yes. I think he was in love with the idea of what they had because she was loyal to him and he knew every, like, without a doubt, Taylor was there for him. And he missed, like, men like loyalty. But I think he also knows how he is and he wanted to be able to fuck around and not and Taylor not find out. <laughs> that's the that's what he wanted. Um or at least have the freedom to and she's not the t- the kind of girl that's going to let him fool no, around, not let no. him have both. Yeah. He's got to find somebody who lets him have an open relationship. He really does. And there are those people out there, Shep, you can find that. But I don't think he want he wants a I don't know why she did it. It's not like she has any upstanding morals. I mean, she's sending nudes, she's making out with Austin. This girl. Yeah, this I and I think I have no patience for it too, coming off the scandal of it. And I'm like, were you trying to have a scandal moment? I just obviously obviously it's not nearly as deep as what that was, but it's like we've seen this story before. And I just I don't know. Like everybody starts finding out about the fact that Austin and Taylor kiss because Austin tells Shep in a house full of their friends. So Madison knows, Madison tells Vanita, Craig knows, Craig tells Paige, Whitney knows, Whitney tells Patricia. Like everybody's starting to find out except the one person who needs to find out. And that is Olivia. Well, who's going to tell her? Come on. They're all not, Madison's not going to be the one to be like, hey, Olivia, by the way. Yeah, no, you're right. She didn't need to. The person who needed to tell her was Taylor. Taylor, and the fact when that she put sh- her hand on the fucking Bible, that's when she should have told her. Sorry, I didn't mean to say fucking Bible, but still, <laughs> it, when she put her hand on the Bible, that's when she should have been honest. Strike her down right now. No, it's, I, I mean, what means something to you, Taylor? What What is meaningful Nothing. to you? What Austin. do you value? What do Austin's you cherish? Muppet mouth. Not even her, yeah, not even yourself. Because sir, Taylor was the most frustrating thing in this episode. And I'm not going to give her anything. And, I, and I'm sorry, if I offend people when I do, I'm not giving Taylor anything in this episode. So Taylor, we do see a flashback. It comes out later in the episode. But Taylor did call Olivia to try to come over and have a conversation with her prior to the pheasant dinner about what happened with Austin. And Olivia's like, no, we'll just talk about it. You know, we'll just talk to each other when we see each other there. And, and Taylor just says, okay, Taylor, That at that point you said, no, I don't, if I valued your, if you, she valued her friendship, she would have said, no, I need to tell you this. If I can't meet you, I'm going to tell you on the phone. I don't want you to walk in and feel a certain kind of way. And Taylor didn't even have, like, I, Taylor is a pick me girl. And to me, she values her relationships with men than she does with women. I don't know if Taylor is this way or seems to be this way. Taylor's a very pretty girl. And I feel like sometimes pretty people have it very easy where they don't have to try as hard in their relationships, in their friendships, whatever it may be. And they get through life that way because they're pretty and they have pretty privilege. I almost feel like that's Taylor. And she likes the attention that she gets from men that women can't give her. And she doesn't seem to value or have good friendships with women. 
And that is so evident in this episode with how she does Olivia. Olivia clearly values her relationship with Taylor. And it's so sad to see the way Olivia talks about their relationship versus the way Taylor talks about their relationship. Yeah, I just, I don't understand her loyalty to Austin over Olivia. Like, that to me was so... I mean, no, you're right. It just, like, it doesn't make sense to me because I'm like, this is your actual friend. And, like, you're going to tell me that those feelings that they had, even if it was a moment of weakness, you're going to tell me those feelings just, you know, disappear? Like, come on, you don't, t- you don't w- want me to believe that Taylor doesn't have feelings for Austin? Yeah, no. She, she told, if, I feel like Austin was the one who was like, I don't want to do this. And so Taylor had no choice but to be his friend. Um, But the fact that you're right, Taylor can't see, Taylor does see that Austin threw her under the bus by telling Shep. And now she looks like an idiot. She acknowledges that. She's crying over that as Austin's telling her, but she doesn't act on it. She doesn't act on it. You're not mad at Austin. Austin made you look like the bad guy. Because guys are way more forgiving. Even if Shep never forgets, they're just way more forgiving and they can move on. He's now put you in this awkward situation with Olivia that Austin could care less about because he doesn't care about Olivia. And he doesn't care about you, Taylor. No, he doesn't. He doesn't doesn't. care about you. And she can't see it. And she even, well... Let's just get, she get, we see Olivia arrive to the party. She's the last one to arrive. And immediately upon her walking through the door, Taylor confronts her about kissing Austin. And not only does she confront her, she does it in a room full of people. She doesn't have the decency to take Olivia outside and have a conversation. She doesn't even let give her time to get... She's like, oh, I'm gonna let you get settled. Like, let her get a glass of wine. Let her have a seat. Let her say hello to the other people in the house. Instead, you just immediately are like, I gotta be the first one to tell her this. Hey, by the way, we kiss. And expects Olivia to just accept it because now she has decided to be honest. Now she is. Olivia should have walked either, Olivia should have walked out. I cannot believe Olivia stayed for that. She should have thrown that wine in her face. I can't believe she stayed for dinner, knowing that everybody knew and that they're having this conversation in front of everybody, sitting at the table with Austin, with Shep, with Taylor, like it, with Craig, you know, because I, I mean, I'm sure she thinks Craig knew, even though Craig didn't know, but like, it's just so awkward and uncomfortable. And like, I'm so surprised that she even stood for that dinner. I would have been like, fuck everybody. I'm out. Yeah, it's it's the delusion of Austin and Taylor and even a little bit of Shep um, that's confusing to me. Olivia only is the only one who seems to actually be truly bothered and realize the gravity of the situation. You know, uh, both uh, Taylor and Austin are like, well, we, fu- we, we told the truth, you know? Well, we told the truth, so why are you mad? not realizing how many times you lied before, not realizing that you guys had a plan to continue this lie and you would have continued with it had Austin not been drunk and said it, not realizing the fact that you have offended your friends, that there was this secrecy, that it's just not getting any of it. It's the delusion. And even the way Taylor is still trying to be 
chummy chummy with Shep and even makes the comment where she's like, well, you know me, you know, I love to make out. I'm the kissing bandit. And says that to Shep, I was like, oh my gosh, this girl has no self-awareness. She has no tact. She has no anything. I'm just like, she just keeps putting, because I think she's like, oh, well, Shep's cool with it. But it's like, but it Shep's not cool with it, number one. He's masking it. And number two, what you did, even without, like, let's just take out the, you know, pounds and pounds and pounds of baggage that come with the line and the betrayal and the, you know, months of deceit and the, you know, possibly going into a relationship part of it. Just the mere fact that they kissed is hurtful enough. And, they, like, they're just totally glossing over all of it, like that one little piece is going to take a minute to process and work through and get over, let alone six months of lies and deceit and like betrayal and like a hand on the Bible. Like, I know I'm going to need for Olivia to have the same energy that she has with Austin to have with Taylor, because I almost feel like it's worse Austin, you knew was a dog and I'm not excusing it. Austin and you, you realized the type of person that he was and what he did with Taylor just plays into who Austin has been to Olivia. Taylor has presented herself in a total, basically Virgin Mary. She has presented herself as pick Esther, Ruth, Mary Magdalene, name all the, like, name, pick your character in the Bible. That is who she has presented herself to be. Yep. If Austin knocked her up, she would have said it was Immaculate Conception. A hundred percent. That is who Taylor has presented herself to be. And so all of this is so not Christ-like, so out of character. And I'm not saying Christians are perfect. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I'll be damned, sorry, cursing in the same, as I quote scripture, that I would set, put my hand on the Bible and be swearing on my life and then talking about how I lost my way as a Christian and I'm back as I like to. That was all in the same conversation. She talks about how she lost her way and she's come back and lied to Olivia in the same breath. Like you didn't feel convicted enough to tell the truth. You got some more work to do, Taylor. You have some more work. I did not watch Taylor on Watch What Happens Live, did you? No, not yet. I need to know, I need to know. I hope Andy was tough on her. I need to know what went down with- well, It was what, her and Jack, right? Up. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Oof is right. Oof is right. <laughs> Then, like, I just don't, like, the two of them, Austin and Taylor, just both, like, don't get, like, one, why this is such a big deal. And even Austin being like, Olivia, I want you in my life. Like, I want to be your friend. Like, fuck off, dude. Like, who do you think you are wanting to keep her in your life? Like, you don't even deserve her to even have a conversation with you after what you did. And you made her friend lie to her face. And then, you know, your one job was to come out there and be like, I screwed up. I asked Taylor to lie on my behalf. That was wrong of her to do. But you know what? I'm the one that put that pressure on her because I didn't want to hurt you or I'm a douchebag and I wanted to protect my ego. Whatever it was, that was his opportunity to take accountability and not mess with her head even more and play with her emotions even more by being like, I want to be your friend and I want to keep you. How do you not understand that I want to keep you in my life? Fuck off, Austin. Yes. 
And this is why I feel all of that energy. And this is why, and I'm proud that you feel this way about that man you love. <laughs> He's a piece of shit I still right love now. Him. I still He's love him. He's a piece him. of shit. And, I, and I, this is why I appreciate Olivia because she is able to see things for what they are and then call them out. And that comparison, compared to how Taylor is with the situation, you just realize how lost and the, and the lack of confidence that Taylor has. She just doesn't have the ability to... Um, uh, express herself or like realize a situation and then express herself or even just have a, a, a decisive moment or an opinion unless it has to do with Austin or another man. Um, Olivia brightfully points out that Austin did have multiple opportunities to tell her, has not tried to have a friendship with her at all, and basically is calling this, the, w- the way he's acting in this moment, as performative. I mean, the fact that Austin sat at that table and said, you've talked to everybody but me. What the fuck does Olivia have to say to you? And the, 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 the entitlement of it all, of how could you dare not talk to me after what he's done and not even try to cultivate a relationship with her is just disgusting to me. And the other disgusting thing that I have to point out, and this is my last bit with Taylor because I'm over her, is, well, two things with Taylor. But one is she actually says to Olivia in the conversation as she's telling her that she kissed her ex-boyfriend. You're telling one of your best friends that you kissed their ex-boyfriend when there was still gray area between their relationship. She basically says, well, I was trying to protect Austin. Or she says something like, well, I was tr- I was doing it for Austin. And Olivia's like, what about, what about me? me? Yeah. Her whole thing was, but Austin, Olivia, but Austin. And Olivia's like, how could you even want to take up for him when you know the type of person that he is? You know what he's done to me. You've seen what he's done to other people. And we know Taylor's a fan of this franchise, so she probably's watched Winter House and seen the whole Sierra yeah. drama of it all and Summer House with Lindsay. Taylor knows. And knowing all of that about Austin, you still, I think Shep points this out too, you still want to kiss him, lie to your friends about it and your ex, and think about, contemplate, whether or not you should have a relationship with him. What's wrong with you? But the other crazy part, because you bringing that up right now, is like she didn't, she could have very easily leaned into the, he wanted me to do this. He was forcing me to do this because he didn't want to hurt you or whatever. But instead of leaning into like playing Austin's victim, she was very much like, no, I chose to do this, but I chose to do this to protect him. Like she doubled down on wanting to protect him rather than being like, you're right. He is a total uh, like sleazeball. And, you know, he was just messing with me to protect himself. But it was like, no, she's like very much going to bat for him. Yes. It's almost like she's saying to Olivia, but I was being a good friend. And it's like, to Austin. (laughs) And why are you loyal to Austin? It's almost like she's loyal to Austin. This is what makes me think there's more to the story. It's like she's loyal to Austin because she has to be. Because he knows her secrets. That's what... I'm actually realizing this in the moment. She knows the secrets and she has to be. That's what it's almost feeling like. like. I can't turn on Austin 
because he might tell more of the story, even though he already has. If there's more to the story, you better believe it's coming out via Austin very soon. Because Shep has said multiple times, I just don't understand how you could just kiss someone. I just don't understand in this day and age how you just kiss. Which, you How can. you go from just kissing to talking to your family about possibly getting together. Like, those dots don't add up. Madison said dry humping. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, can see dry I might go to that. Last thing I will say about Taylor and just my thoughts on this episode, we can't leave talking about this and not mention the Patricia and Whitney conversation with Madison about the alleged nude photos that Taylor sent to Whitney that's as friends, as a joke, with the caption or the text, come one, come all, which is so... I guess she was making fun of Shep because we later see in the episode that Shep says, says, come one, come all. So I guess that's his saying. But one, that's not funny. And Taylor's not funny. She's not a funny person. But two, what? Again, pick me. What are you doing? I mean, I've been critical about Patricia and her presence on the show, but... We needed her in this thing. We needed her in this moment, yes, because she was like, "Well, then there's a new like it was great." And he's like, "We're not talking about that," but like, no, we should absolutely talk about that because that like adds a totally other layer. This is another one of his friends that she's like fooling with and like playing with. Like, did he send photos back? I want to know that. If we're just friends, and you know. He's like Ryan from OC and he just is like, you know, airdropping dick pics all over town. I need all the details all the about details. what's going on. I there's more to the story. And it'll definitely come out of I mean, it's something that we will see. They put that in this episode. It'll probably come out in the next episode. It'll definitely be addressed at the reunion. And I already have a feeling Taylor's gonna be like, I wasn't fully naked, I was just topless. Or or I was covering, I was covered up. My nipples were covered yeah. with my hands. Or this is an inside joke between Whitney and I. I can't believe it got blown out like that. And it's... I needed him to go on WebMD to check if everything was normal. So I sent him a photo like to one. examine. I like that one. I like that one. Ugh. Exhausting. My chest actually hurts talking about Taylor because I just can't deal with these type of people. I just, it's, it's good TV. Yes. But it's just so frustrating to watch. And again, coming off of what we did with Vanderpump rules, I just, this isn't the type of drama. I need us, I need a, a year to cleanse my palate from this type of storyline. And then I can come back to it. It's just if so anything, hot. Bravo just teaches us to not trust your friends because they're always going to steal your man. Um, we will be back next week, you guys, giving you all things Bravo, except below deck. Um, make sure, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have a beautiful weekend and make sure you come right back here next Friday to get all the tea. Bye guys.